Welcome to the Should A Bet More podcast first episode. I'm the host, Will Hill. You guys probably either know me from VEASAN, from Gold Boys, Fox, I'm on Bear Bets podcast. And as we transition from Gold Boys, uh, doing more shows on Twitch and live shows, it's going to be more pre-recorded content, more podcasts. And this is going to be one of the podcasts that I'm lucky enough to do. So I'm excited to get going. I'm going to have guests. It's going to be it's going to be, look, it's going to be a betting show. If you if you watch the uh, the Gold Boys live shows, it's going to be similar to that, where we just talk about what's current, what's relevant, little recap of what happened, um, you know, in the past couple of days or so. We look forward to the games of the day. What are the big betting stories? Going to have guests, uh, including today, Gil Alexander from VEASAN is going to join us. So excited to talk to him about football, maybe some baseball. So uh, this, this should be fun. I appreciate everyone listening. And let's just get right into it. We do have a game tonight. Eagles and Seahawks, Eagles laying three and a half. Um, I'll get to that in a little bit. I don't have a ton on this game. This is really the trickiest game maybe of the season because Hurts on Sunday got downgraded to questionable. I guess he traveled separately from the team. He's sick, so we don't know if he's going to play. The line is ticked up to three and a half, total 45, like I mentioned. That would tell me Hurts is probably going to play, or it's just uh, the uncertainty on the other side with Drew Locke possibly playing quarterback now for Seattle. So we don't know either team starting quarterback. So it's, it's very hard to bet on a game. We don't know who's playing quarterback for either team. That would be um that would be my concern with that one. If anything, I guess I'd bet the under. I'd figure Philly will probably get back on track at some point. They certainly haven't looked good when you're turning to Matt Patricia to turn to, to call plays for you on defense. You, you know you're probably desperate. So let's just get into the weekend because Philly is now in decent shape to win this division with Dallas losing to Buffalo yesterday and I guess we'll just we'll start from Saturday because man, it was a great football weekend. I love the Saturday games. Anytime you get a few games like that on Saturday, it's just man, it's it's wall to wall football from Saturday afternoon all the way to Sunday night. Uh, we'll just start the, the Saturday games weren't great. This early game was was the clearly the game of the day, maybe the game of the weekend. Vikings Bengals. I mean, such a typical Vikings loss. Now look, this Vikings team once Cousins got hurt, they were dead, and it's a shame because. I didn't think this at the time, but with their defense and their playmakers, if they had Cousins, now they're not on the level of San Francisco. I don't know that anybody is, but other than that, they could have gotten in, won a game, maybe won two games again. I don't think they were getting to a Super Bowl, but this is Flores has done an incredible job of this defense, but they had a terrible loss Saturday. They're up 17-3. Bengals come back and tie it. Minnesota goes ahead again, 24-17. The Bengals tie it on a ridiculous catch by Higgins. And then in overtime, the Vikings get the stop, and they have third and inches and fourth and inches. It's a, like you put your fingers together. It's it's hard not to get the, the amount of distance they need on a QB sneak, and they fail twice. I think Mullins went backwards on the last one, and then the Bengals kick a field goal. Uh, they win. So the Bengals keep their playoff hopes alive. The Vikings are still a coin flip as, as you look at these, the, the NFC picture. Uh, as far as the rest of the Saturday games, Indy just completely blows out Pittsburgh after falling behind 13-0, kind of a fluke touchdown, then a punt return touchdown at 13-0, and then it was all Indy from there. And, boy, you know, I, I was tweeting about this. I think Tomlin gets <laughs> – the bloom is off the rose. I mean, this guy gets a lot of credit for a guy who hasn't won a playoff game in seven years now. He won a Super Bowl in 2008. He's won like a handful of playoff games since. He's lost playoff games to Tim Tebow and Blake Bortles, his double-digit favorites. Now he's overachieved with some, some, you know, below average teams, I would say the last few years, but he went a long time where he underachieved with, with some really good teams. And now they are unlikely to make the playoffs. The Steelers, Colts are in the mix. And then uh, the late game on Saturday night, Detroit gets back on track. They absolutely buried Denver. You kind of see that one coming where Denver's been living off turnovers. You can't be plus two, plus three, plus four in all these games and turnovers. Eventually when that evens out and it evened out Saturday night, you, you end up uh, on the wrong side of the game. Detroit just dominated that game. Uh, Laporta scored three touchdowns. I don't know if people saw this, but 
scored the first one and scored the last one. I think it was like 273 to one. You could parlay first and last touchdown score. So that one cashed what reported three plus touchdowns cash at a ridiculous number. So Detroit gets back on track. They're going to win that division. I never felt like they weren't going to win that division in order to, to not win it. Minnesota's going to have to sweep them. Minnesota without cousins is it, just not that kind of team. So, you know, they, they were never going to sweep Detroit. So the Lions are going to win that division and we'll get to the playoff pictures here in a second. Before that, like you know, the game Sunday, we're okay. The game of the day, I think on Sunday, Bears, Browns, Bears have a big lead, 17 to seven. Browns eventually tie it, take the lead on a field goal, and Flacco is in the mix here for comeback play of the year, even though he was awful for two and a half, three quarters of this game. Tie game, Browns kick a field goal. There's like 30 seconds left. The Bears don't quite have enough time to get in field goal range. They're at like the plus 45, so they throw a Hail Mary with four seconds. The ball lands in the lap of Mooney. You watch it over, and even though you know it's a replay and he's not going to catch it, you, you almost think he's going to catch it. That's how hard it was for him to not catch the ball it takes a weird carom off of like i don't know it's in it's in almost his stomach it pops up it gets intercepted and the browns win so now the browns are in good shape to make the playoffs uh that was really the game of the day i would say the other story of yesterday a couple things uh the 49ers with a just a dominant dominant performance on offense their defense did not look good arizona moved the ball up and down the field but with San Francisco winning big and putting up a bunch of points in Dallas. I guess I should say Dallas Buffalo was the other big story because Buffalo just destroys Dallas. Not surprised they won. Surprised it was that lopsided. Uh, this does a couple things. This puts Purdy as a big minus one ninety favorite to win the MVP. Uh, I, I don't know that I bet it at minus one ninety. We'll get into some of these words here in a minute and with Gil uh, later on. But Purdy's now the a, a big favorite, a considerable favorite. There's a drop off after him. It's Lamar and Dak, depending on where you shot, both around five to one. I'd have a hard time seeing Dak win the award after that kind of performance this late in the season. Tyree Kill's not winning it. I don't think two is winning it. So Purdy now, as long as he beats the Ravens, if he wins his next three games, Purdy's going to win this award. If he loses one of them, or if Lamar beats him, Lamar, I guess has a chance to steal it. But it is Purdy's to lose right at the moment. Uh, and that is a great game on Christmas night. 49ers hosting the Ravens, Niners laying five. But the 49ers defense did not look good here. Uh, th you know, they got gashed. I don't know if that was just carelessness. I don't know if that was a concern. But 49ers win. Obviously, the Bills take care of the Cowboys. The Bills are in the mix to make the playoffs now. Minus 210 to make it. Uh, and the other story was the, the Sunday night game where the, the Jaguars, boy, if you had the Jags plus the three and a half, closed it. I think four. There were some four and a halfs out there. They had drive after drive after drive where they're inside the 20, the last drive of the half ends at like the two. I mean, they should have, they could have conservatively had 17 or 20 points at the half and they had zero and they come out, get a stop, cut it to 10, seven, but the Ravens dominate their dominate from there. Boy, you know, Lawrence was sold to us as being this generational quarterback coming out. I, I just don't see it. I've never really bought it. I mean, I know he looks the part. He's got the size he can run. He's just not that accurate. He's just not that good. He's, He's an okay quarterback. Maybe he's slightly better than okay, but this idea that he's going to be this next great Hall of Fame quarterback um, is just not something I buy whatsoever. So Ravens in good shape to win that division. Jags now fighting for their lives to win that division. They're still minus 130 to win it, but then you have the Texans and the Colts who both won, both at around plus 250, plus 270-ish. Jags have an easier schedule. Texans, Colts play each other. So I think if you look at the playoff picture here, we'll start in the NFC. Niners won their division. Lions are going to win that division. Eagles probably going to win that division. They have the easier schedule now. This, tonight's obviously a huge game, but they are one up in the loss column. If they just hold serve, they win that division. They are minus 500 to win it. And somebody's going to win the South. 
and that's another one I probably should have mentioned. Atlanta with just a god awful loss yesterday. Ritter with a terrible turnover. Bijan Robinson. All you have to do is basically run the ball, kick a field goal. Carolina wasn't going to score. They turn it over up one, and at, at, at the Carolina six. So Carolina has to go ninety four yards, and guess what? They went ninety four yards, kicked a chip shot field goal, milked the clock, just did everything perfectly. And Atlanta just a complete fraud, completely overrated team. Uh, they lose. So somebody's going to win the South. Probably the Bucks or the Saints. So you have 49ers, Lions, Eagles, then the South winner. Cowboys are going to get in. That's five teams. The rest of the NFC comes down to Rams, Vikings. I guess whoever loses the South. So Bucks or Saints. I guess you got to keep the Falcons in there. I don't think they're getting in. And then I guess you got to keep the Seahawks and the Packers. So you have five in. You have 49ers, Lions, Eagles, the winner of the South, and Dallas. And I think Dallas is already clinched. And then you basically have five teams for two spots with Vikings, Rams, Vikings and Rams. If you look at, and I'm just going by DraftKings odds, both minus 125, Rams minus 125, Vikings minus 145 to get the final spot. So both of those are a coin flip. And then, you know, if the, if Seattle could ever win tonight, they're back in the mix. Green Bay with a terrible loss to Tampa. They're probably not making it. So, you know, look, the, the Rams are the one team, if you're a two or a three seed, that you kind of worry about playing in that first round because Stafford's played well. They have Cup. They have Nakua. That running back Williams is good. McVay's a good coach. These other teams, though, Vikings aren't beating anybody with Mullins. You know, you don't worry about the Saints or the Bucks, whoever comes out. If it's one of those teams in the South, Seattle's not any good. So the Rams are the one team that's a little dangerous. So those are your – we have five in. If you just count the South as one team and just figure somebody's going to win, it doesn't really matter. Neither of those teams are going to make a run. None of those teams are dangerous. Uh, as far as the AFC – the Bills are now the team emerging. They still have an outside shot at division. Let's just say it is, we'll give Dolphins the division. We will give the Ravens the division. They're minus 2,000. I think that's fair to do. The South, we'll give it to the Jags, but that's far from a lock at this point. So Dolphins, Ravens, Jaguars, and obviously the Chiefs are going to win the West. Browns are minus 800 to make it. They probably get in. They do play Houston this week. The Bills are minus 210 to make it. They probably get in. So you're probably looking at those four division winners, Browns, Bills. Then the seventh spot comes down to, boy, there's a mess here. Whoever doesn't win the South, so either Houston or Indy or Jacksonville, if Jacksonville doesn't win the division, sort of like the NFC South where, hey, somebody's going to win the division. Whoever doesn't win it is in the mix for a wild card. So you basically have one spot here, assuming the Browns get in, assuming the Bills get in. You have one spot for Houston, Indy, the Bengals, am I forgetting anybody? No, the, the Jets are out of it. We can put that ridiculous Rodgers stuff to bed. They're obviously not making it. The Patriots are done. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anybody. The Steelers are 9-1 to one to make it. They're probably not getting in. Uh, they've looked awful. They've lost three in a row. That is a big game this week. Steelers, Bengals, if the Steelers lose that, they're out. If they win that, who knows? Maybe they can get back in it, but they do play the Ravens the final week, and the Ravens are going to need the game, so the Steelers are probably not making it. So you're probably looking at some combination of Browns, Bills, and you know, one of the AFC South teams, I think, I think it's Houston Indy, the final week of the season, that could certainly be one of those Sunday night flex deals where the winner gets in the playoffs, losers out. I don't think they're both getting in. And again, we're assuming Jacksonville is going to win the division, but that's, that's far from a given Jacksonville's minus minus one thirty to make it. So uh, to win the division. So far from a lock, they've lost three in a row. So it's interesting. I think the team obviously it, it is the bills that We'll make this a better postseason because, I mean, who do you want to see in the playoffs? Do you want to see Gardner Minshew or do you want to see Josh Allen? Do you want to see, you know, some of these other teams? Browning, I got to say, Browning has played well for Cincy. And, and, you know, not to say Burrow's overrated, but it's 
you're seeing now that Burrow has a lot of support. I think that's fair to say with Higgins, with Chase, and the defense hasn't even played well. And since he just continues to move the ball. So that's probably your playoff picture. Talked about all the big games from Sunday, uh, the Monday night game. My guess is Hurts is going to play. That's why that's three and a half. Who knows if he's 100%. We don't know who's playing quarterback for Seattle. Uh, the game's coming this week. We got a Thursday night game, Rams-Saints. That's pretty good. That's important. Both teams playing for something. So not a terrible Thursday night game. And then Christmas Eve. Now, Christmas Eve is on Sunday. Christmas Day is on Monday. The games are not terrible. It looked at, at first like the games on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve would be awful, uh, especially like that, sun, that the Christmas Eve night game is Broncos-Patriots. Broncos at least playing for something. Then you get Giants-Eagles on Christmas Day. Giants played a little better. Eagles, obviously, are playing for something. Uh, although the DeVito looks like that. I have a feeling that 15 minutes of fame is up at some point and up at some point pretty soon here as they were awful yesterday against a very mediocre Saints team. They were never really in that game. So you get decent games on, on Christmas. You obviously maybe the game of the year on Christmas night, 49ers, Ravens. And then Christmas Eve, you get the four o'clock. I think it's 430 Cowboys, Dolphins, both teams playing for something, both teams seating implications, division implications. Uh, if Philly ever lost to Seattle on Monday night, that game is even bigger. So those are two great games. You got some decent games. You got some decent games. I know the primetime games have been hit or miss, but the Thursday night game's not bad. And then you get Cowboys, Dolphins. I'm sure that will do just an incredible rating. That's that's fun. That's you know two iconic uniforms, two good teams, two fun offenses. Cowboys humbled a little last week. Dolphins are laying a point and a half. So Dallas is in perfect teaser range there to tease that up to seven and a half. I would expect that to be a close game. I would expect Dallas to bounce back. And we do get Saturday games next week too, which I had forgotten about. So what are our Saturday games? Saturday games are Bengals Steelers, which I mentioned, which is a good game. A lot on the line. Bengals playing Saturday, second week in a row Steelers too. Um, so that's a very important game in terms of the playoffs, even though it's not like an exciting matchup with Trubisky against Browning. It's an important game. Saturday night is Bills Chargers. Bills are laying 14. Uh, and I mentioned the Bills have a chance to get in here. The Bills, even though they're the ninth seed right now, they're going to be 14-point favorites the next two games. They're laying 14 against a dead Chargers team, and I kind of like the Chargers here, even though I don't think they're going to win, but that's a lot of points for a team. Just fired their coach. They're embarrassed. Bills coming off a, a big Chiefs win, a big Cowboys win. This is definitely a letdown spot. Again, I don't think the Bills lose this game, but if they won this game by 7 or 10, and this is a tight game in the third or fourth quarter, 14 is just a lot of points, and I think this is a good spot for the Chargers. But that's at least an important game if it's not a good one. And then again, the game Christmas Eve, game Christmas night. Like, you got good games. You got good games, and you got games Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So it's a fun football weekend coming up, starting with Thursday. Three games on, on Christmas Day. Chiefs, Raiders, not terrible, not a great game, but looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. I mentioned the awards getting jiggered around here. And we'll talk to Gil here coming up about the awards and get his thoughts. Purdy, the favorite. I don't see a bet here. I don't buy the idea. People are going to make the case. Allen at 14 to one. If they run the table, beat the Dolphins, somehow win the division. Allen could steal it with six losses. I think it'll be tough, especially if Purdy just wins out. I kind of think it's down to two guys. I think it's Purdy and Lamar. I don't think Prescott can win after that performance. I just think, when you're that bad this that late in the season in a game where you're just non-competitive, I think that's hard to overcome. So still a few weeks to go. These these markets can move and move quickly. And look for a minute yesterday, like Purdy was hurt. I'm like, oh man. There were back-to-back plays where Purdy got hurt and McCaffrey got hurt. And anyone with 49ers futures, fantasy implications, like, uh-oh, this could be really bad. Because as good as the 49ers are, they have a bunch of guys that are always banged up. Uh, but they went back in and Purdy and, and McCaffrey and Debo, they just put on a show against a, a really bad Cardinals defense. So yeah, I think it's two man. I think it's Purdy or Lamar. I wouldn't bet Purdy minus one ninety. I don't think Allen can get back into it. Like I said, 
Tyreek Hill's not winning it. People are making the case for McCaffrey. He, McCaffrey's at 12 to 1. I just don't think a running back's going to win it. I really don't. It wouldn't be the craziest thing to give him the award. He's a great player. Purdy said after the game, hey, McCaffrey's the MVP. I think it's going to be Purdy. Uh, I think it's going to be Purdy. If they win these next few games, Purdy's going to win. And plus, it's a great story. I mean, this kid was the last pick in the draft, what, 20 months ago? I mean, think about watching the draft. And once you get to day two, you know, you barely heard of these, hear of these guys that are being picked. Day three, it's like, man, if you could just get a special teamer or somebody that can contribute – and you just you, you kind of tune in and out of the draft. Maybe you you find somebody you've heard about to get a little interest. But no, unless you're a diehard, nobody's watching day three of the draft. Think about the last pick in the draft. You can be sitting there for however long that draft is, eight, nine, ten hours, and say, hey, there's a guy who hasn't been picked yet, and he's going to win the MVP in less than two years. And that could be a case with Purdy. I mean, that's I mean, if he wins the MVP, this is like Kurt Warner had happened with him. What twenty five years ago? This is stuff you you really you make documentaries thirty for thirty. You make a movie about. I mean, that's how crazy that would be if Purdy wins this award. Now, I know people say, "Oh, he's not the most valuable player on his team." It's a really good team, but uh, look, if that were Mahomes putting up those stats, Mahomes would win it. If that were any other quarterback, they would win it. I mean, you put up those stats. He's a good player. How good is he? Is he top three, top five, top eight? I have no idea. I, I don't know. I just know he's really good, and I I, I know he's legit. Um, and, and I was skeptical, skeptical coming into the year, but like I said, I wouldn't bet it at minus 190. The other awards, coach of the year is interesting. Campbell, two to one. Steichen plus 350. Ryan's plus 350. Shanahan and McDaniel are six to one. I don't think McDaniel's winning it. I, I, I haven't understood why Campbell was plus 200 all year. This team was supposed to be good. They were favored to win. They were minus money to win the division. That's not usually the guy that wins this award. It's usually the guy who comes out of nowhere. The team overachieves. The Brian Dable kind of guy. That would lead me to think Ryan's, if they make the playoffs, at plus 350 is the best bet. And Ryan's and Sykin are both in the same boat. I mentioned how Houston and Indy both kind of fighting for one spot. I don't think both of them will get in. If either one of those guys gets in, they have the narrative of winning it. If neither gets in, I kind of think Shanahan at 6-1. to one, If he runs the table, goes 14-3, and three, I think a lot of people assume he's the best coach, at least from an X's and O's standpoint. I don't love his game management a lot of times. I think he gets really tight in big spots. But if I had to bet, I think I would take Ryan's plus 350. I think he's just the best story. that, And especially winning yesterday, winning on Sunday with a, with a backup quarterback coming from behind. Um, that team was not supposed to be any good. Their win total was six and a half. You can say the same for Steichen. Steichen lost his quarterback. Steichen's team wasn't supposed to be good. And Steichen's a good coach. So I don't really understand why Campbell's the favorite. I don't know that there's a great bet here. It is, it is interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, the other one that's interesting, comeback player of the year, Ham DeMar Hamlin's minus 700, and I've been adamant, hey, he died on the field. As long as he plays, he's going to win. He really hasn't played much. I think he's recorded one or two tackles. He's basically done nothing. He's played a handful of snaps. And Aaron Schatz, we'll talk to Gil coming up. Aaron Schatz was on Gil's show on Friday and said he he doesn't he didn't know he'd, who he'd vote for in comeback, uh, comeback player of the year, but he said he'd have a hard time seeing himself vote for Hamlin because Hamlin never technically really came back because he doesn't play. I mean, play special teams here and there, made a tackle here and there, but he he doesn't. You now he wasn't definitive, but he he basically uh, he made you think Hamlin. Not only would he not vote for him number one, but these guys vote one through five. He basically made it the point: if you're not voting for Hamlin because you don't think he came back, he's probably not going to be on your ballot at all. That would make you look for long shots in this market. Baker Mayfield is ten to one. Two is now twelve to one. Stafford's twelve to one. The guy that I think is interesting: uh, Rogers twenty five to one. Forget it. That's the dumbest line I've ever seen. Joe Flacco, 15 to 1. Mentioned Cleveland, minus 800 to make the playoffs. This guy wasn't in the league a month ago. 
Uh, Flacco at 15 to one, I think is a guy, if I had no bets in pocket, that might be worth taking a shot. And you can say, oh, he was 60 to one a week ago. He was 150 to one a couple weeks ago. All right. But you can only look at the board in terms of where it's at now. Flacco at 15 to one. If, if he gets him in the playoffs and you're going to say, Hey, Hey, Hamlin didn't really play. He didn't play enough uh, to get in here. I can't vote for Hamlin. Uh, I think Flacco would be the bet at 15 to one. So Nothing really an MVP. I guess I'd take a shot at Lamar at plus 450 if I had no bets. I don't love it. I think San Fran will probably win that game and Purdy will win that award, although I wouldn't lay the minus 190. Offensive player of the year is down to McCaffrey and Hill. McCaffrey's minus 150. I don't love anything there. I think McCaffrey probably wins, especially with Hill being hurt. Uh, defensive player of the year, it's down to Parsons, who's minus 110, and Garrett plus 185. That looks properly priced. Offensive rookie of the year, if Stroud does now Stroud's like minus 10,000, so as long as he plays a little bit or does anything, and I think he'll come back. He'll win this award. If he doesn't, I don't know who you vote for. Gibbs and Decour at 20 to 1. Bijan's 35 to 1. That's probably going to be Stroud. Uh, and then defensive rookie of the year looks pretty wrapped up. Carter minus 1600 to win that award for the Eagles. So uh, cover the awards, cover the futures. Coming up next, we will talk to Gil Alexander, get his thoughts on the upcoming week in the NFL. Awards, futures, maybe some baseball. We'll be right back with Gil. All right, we are back. Should have bet more podcast. Our first guest, a very special guest, kind enough to join us. The table, the shoes on the other foot. I was about to mix metaphors there. Now I get to ask him the questions. He is the host of a numbers game on Vison, the host of a beating the, the beating the book podcast. It is the great Gil Alexander. Gil, what's going on, man? Will, thank you. I appreciate it. No one ever asked me to come on their podcast. Not no one, but rarely. So it's an honor. I had my other podcast a couple of years ago and I had you on and a week later, the sponsor moved on and got rid of us. <laughs> Hopefully this isn't a, a precursor of things to come, but uh, I'm excited. This will be fun. So what you're saying is there was no, a I didn't say anything. Like no, I just, I stated a fact. That's all I stated. Okay. A fact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll start NFL. I, I didn't listen to, the, uh, the guessing the lines yet is there anything for what's it week 16 now anything for week 16 in terms of these lines stick out to you uh first of all how dare you uh, not listening secondly um there wasn't until the last couple segments like it was almost a null set and i was like wow i'm guessing all of these almost deadly on but there were a few at the end that were pretty interesting to me two of which i am in no rush or excited at all to bet um, the first one, which was more straightforward, which I think a lot of people might feel, was the Dolphins are less than three against the Cowboys in what I have called the uh, Bully Bowl, two teams that are generally bullies. Beat those teams that are clearly less talented than them easily and then sort of get popped in the mouth when they play somebody their own size. Um, I kind of like the Dolphins there as long as it's under three just because – and I think I've heard you talk about this – um, the Cowboys splits on their track, right? Home road, seven and zero at home, straight up three and four on the road. I think they're, uh, the points I saw this on ESPN stats information last night. They're like plus 24 plus points at home minus 0.6 on the road. Um, this is at Miami. The track is not like their home field or any hybrid turf. It's natural grass. It's, you know, we know the Dolphins are fast no matter what the surface is in this galaxy, but we don't know that about the Cowboys. I think Tyreek will be back. I'm assuming Tyreek will be back. Perhaps I should not assume that, but he looked pretty good yesterday in warm-ups, even though he didn't play, 
hopefully we don't uncover another girl or two that he has uh, <laughs> perhaps impregnated. Um, so that won't be a extenuating circumstance, but I just think the dolphins, you know, Matt Brown comes on a numbers game every week and he, he does a great job of sort of describing that the Cowboys pass rush is largely a mirage. It's really Micah Parsons and nobody else. And so I just think the dolphins, this, you know, it's the Malcolm Gladwell blink thing. I don't know if it's going all the way back to 1985 and here's the dolphins in a late game, late in the season, that was against the Chicago Bears, where they performed very well. This is not a night game, so the analogy sort of fails on that. But I just feel the Dolphins come up big here, and so I, I like that one. The other two that I'm not as, as excited to bet are, I think the Raiders are getting way too many points against the Chiefs. It's over 10, which is ridiculous to me. Not that I love the Raiders, but I don't think the Chiefs should be that big of a favorite over anybody at this point. And the other one was, can you guess, by the way, another crappy dog that I might be forced uh, to take. All right. Give me one second. I want to, I want to read the mind of Gilly here. You said it's another crappy dog that you want to take the chargers. No, no, it's a road I, dog. I saw the chargers. I thought were 14. It opened and I saw it was 11 and a half. I don't know if that was just way too many points. I don't think there was some major, major injury news. Uh, let's see. I guess, I guess on that one, by the way, I guess 10 and a half. And then it, Kelly told me it was 13 and a half or 14. It, I, don't want to bet the Chargers, even though I did guess that short. All right, you're so not taking the Giants. You hate the no. Giants. You're you're a skins guy. You're not taking. Hmm. Yeah, you're gonna take Carolina plus the four and a half. I'll guess Carolina. No. no. All right. Who you got? Patriots. That uh, crossed my mind, but oh yeah, you don't like Peyton, and you like the Broncos, and they've been very turnover fortunate. So that makes sense. That should be an ugly game. Not, not that I don't think that the Broncos should win that, but six? What is it, it's six? A That's a lot. Yeah. So those are the three. Right. Other than that, I didn't. I really thought they were pretty dead on. Yeah, Cowboys-Dolphins is a fun one. Christmas Eve, like when, we, when I was a kid, 90s, like growing up, first memories of football, like those teams were always good. I feel like those teams played a lot of big games. I remember, what, was that the Leon Luck game where he – it was a blocked kick and he tried to recover it and it got fumbled and they got to kick it again. I remember that. It was either That's Thanksgiving right. or Thanksgiving. Christmas. Yeah. It was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I always think it was Christmas because I think there was snow like on the field for some reason. It was a very strange, rare snow on the field at Texas Stadium ever. Like I don't remember another right. game where I saw that at Texas Stadium. Yeah. yeah. I would think – I mean, I would probably include Dallas as a teaser. Like there's – I don't think anybody blows anybody out in that game. I think Dallas will bounce back. So – uh, looking forward to that. You texted me something this morning, and I feel like I, I do this to you. Now, or, or you do this to me, and I, now I get to do this to you where I'll text you an idea and you get to use it as content. You texted something I thought was very interesting. Uh, you said, Which of these favorites for the awards is mispriced? And you listed all the favorites Stroud for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Purdy for MVP, Hamlin Comeback Player of the Year. Um, and again, I didn't listen to the show today. I don't know. Usually, you don't get too much into awards on Mondays. Is there anything? What was the answer to your own question? What is mispriced? Is there a bet to be made in this awards market with what three weeks left? Yeah. First of all, how annoying is that that I do that? That I take our content, our thing, and I use it on the show? Is that annoying? I'm flattered by it. No, I like it. I'm flattered by it. Okay. All right. I didn't know if you were secretly like this motherfucker. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? I think so. I think you just did. Oh, okay. So, oh. um, sorry about that. Um, so yeah, the question was, and I listed the favorite of each of the seven bettable awards, which is the most poorly priced not that i don't think they'll win necessarily but which is the price that's the most out of whack my answer was and this is completely based on a conversation 
that I had with Aaron Schatz, the founder of Football Outsiders and the creator of DVOA on a numbers game last week, which is as much as I think I was maybe one of the first people to scream last summer about, if DeMar Hamlin steps on a field, he should be the comeback player of the year, right? I was all about that and still am all about that. And I think he, I think he will be, but Aaron Schatz is one of 50 betters, one of, one of 50 voters, pardon me, for all of these awards. I don't know how much he represents the other 49, but he's one man's opinion, 2% of the vote. He said that he will not vote for Hamlin. And the other very interesting thing that he said, by the way, DeMar Hamlin is minus 700. So I think that's the most out of whack price. Not that I don't think he may win it in the end, but if I'm listening to a guy like Shots, it does give me pause because I think the more interesting thing that he said was in comeback player of the year, you only vote one, two, and three. So an MVP where you vote one, two, three, four, five, Purdy or somebody else could win by getting the most second place votes, not necessarily the most first place votes by a point system because the vote's going to be so splintered. That won't be the case in comeback player of the year because as Aaron put it, DeMar is either your number one or not in your top three at all. And so because of that, I would say DeMar Hamlin. I think your answer was the other one that I would have gone with. I don't even remember what I said. What did I say? Was it you or was it was it Felipe? I, oh, I think we both agreed Campbell, coach of the year, two to yeah. one, was – I haven't gotten that all year just because, like, they were minus money to win the division. They haven't really – you win this award either – by overachieving like the Brian Dable way, that's usually the way to win it where, hey, we thought this team was going to be crappy and they're going to sneak out a wild card even though they're not any good. That that guy usually wins it. but Or you could win it by going you know 15-2. and two. Belichick won it one year going undefeated. Cam- Campbell was supposed to win the division. They were minus money to win that division. So him like meeting expectations, I mean, their win total was 9.5, so they're a little above. I just I don't see the Campbell narrative. I think Ryan's is the best bet. Uh, is there a bet in coach of the year? Like right now, hey, I have nothing in pocket. Is there a bet to make? I think it's D'Amico Ryan. I agree. That's what I said. I think it's D'Amico Ryan's just because, first of all, they just won a game with Case Keenum that they had no business winning. Stroud's supposed to be back. If they, I mean, if they get in the playoffs, just think about how you felt about the Houston Texans right. before the season started. The fact that they made it like we become very normalized to things in the world, um, in real life, let alone football. But like the fact that they could make the playoffs is incredible. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that Shane Steichen isn't also right worthy anthony richardson went down they've been playing with gardner Minshew all year um jonathan taylor did wasn't there at the beginning of the year so i mean like he's done a lot of great things too but i'm with you on campbell like just getting back to the same conversation i had with shots though i asked him about coach of the year and he goes oh dan campbell i'm like what his reasoning and he's not a better right we're betters first he's not a better first but his reasoning for dan campbell is he's the best combination of old school and analytics. So for Aaron Schatz, that's the criteria he's using, which again brings up the comment, it doesn't matter who we think, we're handicapping the voters. And so that's interesting. You know, he he still thinks it's Dan Campbell. Uh, I think Stefanski has a case. Who doesn't have a case? Let's do it that way. I don't think Sirianni has a case. I think I don't, Daniel fell off. I think that Monday night game, it'd be hard for any of these Dolphins to yeah. win awards. I, I just don't see that. 
Like him and yep. Shanahan have the same odds. I could see a path where Shanahan wins out and wins the award because people kind of think he's the best coach. And if the and if let's just say the Texans miss, the Colts miss, I could see Shanahan winning. I can't really see McDaniel winning unless maybe they got the one seed. But I I, I don't I would not bet him at six to one. I agree. No Sirianni, no McCarthy. I'm just going no. through all the games. No, uh, it's not going to no, be Arthur Smith. No, no it's not going to be Arthur oh, Smith or Ron Rivera. Not going to be Tomlin now either, right? He no, was, it's not going to be Tomlin. Um, I think it's D'Amico. But if the Colts make it and the Texans don't, then isn't it right. Steichen? Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and those teams, I think they play each other. It might be the final week of the season where final week they're probably year. both not getting in. If one of them gets in, one of them's out, it makes it clear cut where that guy emerges as the favorite, at least in my mind. And if they both miss, that's where it gets interesting. And – you know, I, that, that that's where it gets interesting. If they both miss or if they both made it, that would be interesting. I, I still think it'd be Ryan's, but I don't know. It's fun. I feel like Stefanski, like at 15 to one, I just, I feel like what, what he wanted three or four years ago. I, I just think that's a hard win to award twice in like four years or whatever. I don't know that they'd give it to him again. You know who, who has made an incredible career of not getting it? An incredible but, career. But, but maybe deserving it. to have gotten it at least once along mm. the line and gets no mention this year either harbaugh mcdermott so like there were a couple years yeah. there where he probably should have won like he's got snubbed one year for sure might have been the stefanski year maybe not yeah but like no, that was the year he, that he was in the mix yeah and now like i mean if the bills make the playoffs it's a pretty amazing turnaround with lots of injuries he'll get no credit for it but I'm just, he's like, if, if, to the question of like, who has always been there but never gotten it? He's right. hes a populist. Um, but no one mentions him this year, right? He's not even in it. No, he, yeah, I, I don't think of it. Boy, that 20 seconds left when he took a knee against Philly, he's just so conservative. He's too conservative for my liking. I'm not a fan, but your, your point yeah. is uh, is well taken. Now, odds-wise, this is a stupid question, but I know how you think, and I know what you think of this team. You're, should we put your life on the line or your VEASAN salary, your lofty, well-deserved VEASAN salary on the line? Winner of the Super Bowl, the 49ers or everybody else? You get the field or the 49ers to win it all? Um, I get no odds. It's just my yeah, life yeah. or my, my salary. Um, I'm going to take the Niners. I kind of felt – I kind of felt like by the odds – like. Odds wise, that's not the right choice, but I know how you're thinking. I, I can't disagree with you. I, I think we might be looking back in two months and think that there's like a bigger gap between the Niners and everyone else than everyone realized. And, you know, it's not sexy to take a team plus 250 to win it all when they have to go through all these rounds of the playoffs. And we've seen in all these other sports how unpredictable the Miami Heat, you know, Diamondbacks, Rangers. It might be a scenario where the 49ers just win and win comfortably, uh, especially if they get home field and, and win this. So I, I'm well, not surprised to hear I, you say that. First of all, that's a great question because I think. That would stop a lot of people in their tracks. But, I mean, I've had them as my number one power rank team probably for a long time now, right? Like, it's been at least five weeks in a row for me. I just feel like they they are as close to an all-star team as you yep. can get. And when you look at every other team, there is not a single team I can think of that isn't deeply flawed somewhere. And even and Baltimore was the one that I said, if there's another great complete team, it's Baltimore. But they lost Keaton Mitchell last night, which I was talking about this morning, which I think is a massive blow to the Ravens. He's their only explosive player on offense besides Lamar. He gets big chunk plays multiple times a game. He's done for the year. Knee injury last night against the Jaguars. So like that to me, they need a guy like that to make a huge play or two in a big game. 
you don't have that. Boy, the Ravens could lay an egg now in one of these games. The Chiefs, as great as Mahomes and that defense has been, their offense sucks um, by comparison. They had trouble getting by the Patriots yesterday, um, even though they could still be the number one seed. But like, even if Kansas City was the number one seed now, I don't think of them as infallible at home even. Like Buffalo could go in there and beat them. Baltimore could. You name the team could go to Miami. I mean, they could crush anybody, but they could also get completely stymied in a game. And then Buffalo, I know. I mean, they're the they're the sneaky team, right? But I don't know. They go dark on offense too sometimes. They're. I mean, I've seen them lay even at their best right now. I've seen them lay too many eggs the last few years to think that they're so reliable in a postseason. Yeah, we were texting about this yesterday. The 49ers defense, I don't know if it was injuries, if it was malaise, right. or like that, or that was a concern because that was sort of a half ass performance. I was sitting there live betting the 49ers, and the 49ers couldn't name their score. They could have scored 50 or 60 if they wanted to. But man, they couldn't get a hold of the game. Like Murray right. moved the ball, they ran the ball. Like they just, they didn't, again, they're missing guys. Who knows? Maybe they just, they, they were toying with them. Um, that that would be the one thing that that's a little bit of a concern, but yeah, you mentioned it's, it's well put that it's an all-star team and, you know, go back to, we mentioned the Cowboys and Dolphins always playing in the nineties. That's the one thing we don't really have anymore that we had like growing up watching football, these teams in the nineties that were just stacked. Like those Cowboys teams had an offense, a defense, everything. Now with the salary cap, nobody's loaded like this, but they kind of, they're kind of a throwback in terms of like, they got players everywhere. Bro. I was, as you were saying that in my head, I was thinking about, like when we were kids and you see these NFL films of these great teams on Super Bowl Sunday and how they just know it's their moment that day, whether it's the Cowboys greats or the Niners greats or the Skins greats or the Giants, whatever those teams were, they just knew they were going to crush. And the Niners feel like that team to me. Yeah. All right, let's go rapid fire and get you out of here just around other sports. I know you're you're a Bay Area guy, you're a Warriors guy, or the Warriors done? Is that dynasty? Are they done winning championships? Yeah, I don't think that's too Yeah. I'd agree. Uh, what, how does this play out with Draymond? I mean, you don't have to go into a whole thing here, but is this like where do they go from here? Is he just come back on the team sort of like Morant um, last year where he's back in a month? Like it's it, it, this is it, it's a very strange situation. It's an awkward do situation. You, do you believe that when he comes back he will be altered? That he will change. I don't know if he's capable of changing. I think I don't he's know smart he enough either. to know. Like, I don't know if there's any grounds for just like throwing him out of the league. But he's at the point now where I I don't know what you do with him going forward. It's a very very strange situation. Like I used to think it was like this, and I'm a Warriors guy, as you say. I used to think that it was this ultra competitive thing, right. and you needed a little muscle. And by the way, he was a he was a key cog in all of those championships. Sure. Like you you cannot take that away from him. Um, some people think he was a borderline Hall of Famer. By the way, I think this kind of hurts that. But if you win four championships, you kind of have They put everybody up. in. They put everybody yeah. in. Clay will be a Hall of Famer because oh, sure. of this, right? Um, obviously, Steph. But but I don't think Draymond is now because of this. And I don't know. I don't even know. Like when you if, – if I just – let's say we weren't on a podcast and I said to you, what the hell do you think is wrong with this dude? Like, what would you even say at this point? I don't, I can't even, I don't, I can't even understand it anymore. Like what happened? You went from this, I get it. You were always a little on the edge, but now you're just, every moment you're physically assaulting somebody. If you were a football player, we'd be always, you know, you worry about some sort of CTE kind of thing with basketball. I have no explanation. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I really don't. Anyway, I think he comes back. I think they struggle. Maybe they, play, they get into the play in and not the playoffs. 
Maybe they even get into the playoffs, but they're a they're a first round exit. Baseball does Otani to the Dodgers? Is there first of all does it bother you? And is there a betting angle from it? There is no betting angle other than at this point in baseball because of the incongruence of the 162 game schedule, and then the best of three, and if not best of three, best of five, beginning to the postseason. You should only be betting longer, longish shots in baseball. So if you see a team like the Phillies, right, at 10 to 1, that's a bet a million times before you should ever bet the Dodgers. Um, do I think there's a – I don't think there's a Shohei MVP bet to be made, even at 10 to 1, because yeah. he's not pitching. So all of a sudden he's got to actually just put up batting stats. So it's not really a it, – now it's a, it's a sort of fair contest. So I don't think there is anything on that. It bothers me, period, though, to answer your first question. Like I hate that he ended up on the Dodgers. Yeah, me too. I think it, I think it's so bad for baseball because 162 games is a slog anyway. So to put him on the Dodgers now, first of all, nobody's winning that, that division besides them. So the Giants and the Padres, who were in previous years considered, oh, this is going to be a fun little race, they got no shot. And if it's true, by the way, that the Giants put up just as much money. You know, and then he went to the Dodgers. It makes it even more glaring where it's like, oh, this is just so messed up. Um, I would have loved to have seen him go to Toronto. Would have made the American League East that much more interesting. But now it's kind of like, well, because that would have been cool, right? Shohei on the Blue Jays, Soto on the Yankees. Would have been an awesome sort of race in the AL East. Just kind of sucks for baseball. I mean, you're a big baseball guy. Doesn't it bother you that he ended up there? It's just, it was the boring move. It was the predictable move. They've almost become like the new Yankees where they just get every guy. It's a little overkill. Um, yeah. I mean, I get uh, the one good thing is we get to see him finally in the playoffs and play big games and things, but I, I didn't like it. I was hoping he'd go to Toronto or somewhere different just to, it's like, he's just another guy on the team. I mean, right. It'll be fun. It, it'll be fun, I guess, but it's, it's not as fun as it could have been. Um, you, you mentioned the Yankees. How good do you think they'll be with Soto? They'll be good. Like that season where like your your most popular text was the daily oh. look at the back of the Yankees lineup text. Like from five they, down, it was like four guys you never heard of him. It was crazy. It was amazing that it lasted an entire season. They can't possibly allow that to happen again. And I don't imagine they will. And they'll get guys back who were who were not able to play last year, just healthy, health wise. Um, so I think they're gonna be great. They I mean they have all the resources, they'll be in the playoffs. That won't happen again. Let's put it that way. Tough division. Toronto's still good. Baltimore's not going away. I mean, Baltimore's just going to get better and better with all these young guys. So they still need some pitching. But, yeah, I agree. They'll, they'll be in the mix. And it'll be fun to have them in the mix again. Soto and Judge will, will at least put a, a, you know, a spark back in, this, uh, back, back in that ballpark. Last yeah. one before we get you out of here. Any tennis long shots we should be making? Australian Open? Anything, anything that's bettable right now? Um, you know me to be a, uh, an eager guy. Uh, I think again that when she she had a lull, lull. It's so funny. She's won four slams in like seventeen tournaments, and she's twenty two years old. Twenty two, twenty three. I can't remember now. But she had this lull in the middle of the twenty twenty two season where like people actually had a shot to beat her, and then she came back. She she was number one in the world for seventy five straight weeks, and that streak got snapped. And it's like it took a massive weight off her shoulders. She came back. She won in Beijing. And I said that was her message to the rest of the of the tour. Hope you enjoyed it while you can. I think she's going to have a 
massive 2023 season where she establishes herself as one of the greats of all time. Um, and people will finally acknowledge that that's what she's about to become. And so I think that she's a good bet in the Australian Open. As far as long shots on the women's side, keep an eye out for Mira Andreva as this sort of up-and-coming tennis player. Um, M-I-R-R-A, last name A-N-D-R-E-E-V-A. She has a sister named Erica, but Mira Andreva is the best young all-court women's tennis player. So keep an eye on her numbers as tournaments go on. And on the men's side, um, you know, this was the, supposed to be the year. 2022 was supposed to be, be the year where the Yannick Sinners and the Holger Runes of the world sort of got to the Djokovic-Alcaraz level, or at least Djokovic would have fallen back and they would have gotten to that level. That didn't really happen. So I think it's going to happen in 2023 where it's not necessarily those two guys at the top and everybody else. So I do think there's some opportunity. Like if there was a U.S. Open, like if you if you bet the U.S. Open this far in advance and you saw like a double digits price on like a whole Garune, that might be worth a play. Medvedev is still in the mix, too, of course. Gilly, you're the best. Appreciate it. Uh, a numbers game, beating the book pod. Where, where can everyone find you? Uh, a numbers game. Uh, 10 to noon Eastern. I never have to do this. 7 to 9 Pacific which is on iHeart, YouTube TV. Um, those are the main spots, vcin.com, DK Network, one of those hours. And then uh, Beating the Book Podcast, which you are a part of, Will. What a great megapod year this has been. I uh, appreciate you being on there, you and Todd, and just a series of fantastic guests that's on the Beating the Book Podcast feed. All right, Gil, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Hopefully we'll do this again soon. Thank you, sir. All right, that will do it for episode one of Shoulda Bet More. Thanks to Gil Alexander. Thank you guys for listening. Download, rate, subscribe. Probably going to be doing these twice a week. Thinking Monday, Friday might add a third show, see how it goes. So uh, be out on the lookout for that. But the plan is now to do these Monday and Friday. So see you guys then. Thanks for listening.